in case you missed a very special moment in worship, our youngest little member over there who's, who's on her way probably to the, the cry room um, ran down, and her name is Julia, and her cousin, well, her auntie cousin, was on stage, Caitlin. And she was running down going, Caitlin, Caitlin, because she wanted to be on the stage. And it reminded me, a phrase that was coming through my um, mind the whole time in prayer meeting was that, that um, verse, in your presence is fullness of joy. And that's how, if you want to look, know what being in God's presence and having joy looks like, it looks like that, running down and just going, you know, and just calling out His name. And that's the way that um, God deserves our, our love and our affection. And so it was a very special moment for me when it just reminded me, it almost gave me a picture um, of what our love and joy should be like for God. And um, I love the series of the teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, as we call it. Um, this is the so-called, the, the spot where it is said to have been, been preached. But I don't know if you've ever been up onto a mountain. Um, and I was thinking probably about my, one of my best mountain experiences. And it was a race that I did in my younger and fitter before having babies days. And it, it was the Takai, the Mars Challenge. And so basically, you can sign up and you can run. And I was quite fit at the time. Thought I was quite hardcore. Signed up to do the Mars Challenge where you run up to the Mars. It was an early morning. It was quite wintry. So it was, there was tons of fog. Ran up and um, had the most amazing experience. And then as I was coming down, because they just timed you up, as I was coming down, just taking my time, I saw these hardcore, especially these hardcore chicks on bicycles that had been running with me, and now they were cycling up. And what I didn't know or realize, I thought you could choose to run or cycle it, is that you could actually do both, and you could only say you were king or queen of the mountain if you, actually, if you cycled, ran up, ran down, cycled up, cycled down. And so all of a sudden, my hardcoreness got diminished hectically. But then it became my goal to cycle up to the mast. And so I didn't have a mountain bike at the time. But the minute we got mountain bikes, I said to John, this is what I want to do. I want to cycle to the mast. I'd never used um, cleats before, but decided that I'd be absolutely fine uphill with cleats. And so we tried a few times. And I can honestly say I've probably fallen off the bike around every corner in Takai Forest. Um, and it took me quite a few attempts to get there because I wasn't as hardcore as I thought I was. And finally, though, the one day, it was a perfect, it was a Sunday afternoon, and we decided to go up, and it was one of those perfect days where along the way we just stopped, and you could just see the whole valley where we live. And it was so amazing just to see, and we, like, as I was going, I was going, well, okay, that's, okay, that's Blue Route, that's where that road intersects, okay. And everything kind of made sense, and you could see things from a different perspective. And it reminded me of the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus just showed a different perspective he showed things from a God perspective. And that's what we need to remember when, we, when we're doing this series. It's a different way to live. He's showing us a godly perspective. I've seen on Instagram a lot of people kind of claiming to live their best life. It's a great hashtag, live, live your best life. So-and-so is living their best life. It usually involves holidays, some amazing activity. When it comes to living your best life, if you put these things into action, this is your best life. Jesus has a different formula for living your best life. But if you want full joy in your life, if you want to know peace, if you want to know God's presence, this is what you need to be taking your cues from, not um, great holidays, although Linda and I are always talking about our next holiday. Um, but that's not where our joy, we keep on reminding ourselves, it's not where our joy comes from. There, are, there is more to life. Um, so we're going to be talking about doing a bit of a spring clean in our lives. And I don't know about you, if you like spring cleaning, I like spring cleaning and just throwing a few things out and bringing it to hidden treasure um, where it goes to a good cause. But in, um, we're going to be doing a bit of a, a life spring clean today and speaking about 
how to get rid of certain things in our life. Now, if I was Oprah, I'd be telling you to get rid of toxic people. If you have ever read some self-help books or kind of watched one of those shows, it often speaks about cutting people from your life that are toxic and people that have got a bad influence and just kind of getting rid of them and, and that's your, your best life. Um, but when it comes to, to spring cleaning our lives, we, we don't have, as Christians, the, the kind of, it's not up to us, it's up to God. And we don't cut toxic people from our life. We don't have that, I'll say privilege, but you know what I mean, um, of, of just giving people the boot. Because God encourages us to love our enemies. And that's what we're going to be speaking about. And the, the scripture that we we kind of taking our, our lesson from is, is Matthew 5, verse 43 says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I don't know if this is something that to you has almost become a bit of a cliche. It's something that we hear a lot. You probably heard it from if you went to Sunday school. From the time you were in Sunday school, love your enemies. Even non-Christians know this and can point fingers and say, hey, you mean to love your enemies. You're a Christian. Don't you say that you love God? You mean to love your enemies. And we as Christians have also got a reputation for kind of being hypocrites in this department because Christians can gossip as good as others. They can stir and cause dissension as good as others. They can kind of get into bad situations and bad relationships and cause chaos. And so people will give us the, the label of hypocrite. And it's something that we'll naturally, we, we really have to go against the grain to love our enemies. Um, I don't know about you, but I love a good story of revenge. And if we can have that slide, um, the one quote, they say that revenge is a dish best served cold. They also say that revenge is sweet. So basically, revenge is ice cream. And then the guy in the coffee shop, the people next to him were being really loud and rude. And so they just found the perfect name for their business. So he quickly went and bought the domain name. That just means he'll, they'll never be able to open a website for their business, well, with a good name. And um, I remember years ago reading a story. It, I either read it or heard it, but it was about a girl. And she was planning summer holidays with her boyfriend. And just before, kind of, I don't know if she was in varsity or whatever, he broke up with her. <clears throat> And the holiday that they had been planning, it took another girl with. And she was absolutely angry about this. And he lived in OBS, and he had a, um, you know those old doors where you can post letters through the, the kind of hole, the, the letterbox that's in the door. And so she got a, an envelope full of fleas and kind of opened it, popped it through, and let it kind of work its magic while he was away on his summer holiday, fleas in those old OBS carpets. And you can imagine what it was like when he got back. And I was like, yeah, it serves him right. And then all of a sudden, we realized that although those stories are entertaining and sometimes like music to our ears, just, oh, wow, they got revenge that way. They, he really had that coming. Um, that's not what should be music to our ears as believers. What should be is God's words. 
And as we as we kind of doing a spring clean, the first thing we need to do in our own lives is take our blinkers off. That we can have blinkers to our own issues and our own bad relationships. Sometimes you can get so used to having a broken relationship and just kind of putting it into a cupboard that you don't see it. I don't know if you have things in your house that you have a blind spot to. And ours actually is our blinds. Um, ironically, I've got one that's got a big water stain on, the other that's a bit broken, the other one is kind of coming and like Fred and I don't notice, but all of a sudden, I think, well, what must outsiders think? And then I see it through fresh eyes. And so we need to look at the blind spots in our, in our own lives and, and kind of see the, the mess that is there. Now, back in Jesus' time, people were, had blind spots too and, and kind of twisted scriptures a bit um, to suit their behavior and suit what they kind of how they viewed the world. And the first thing that they had done is that they had limited their neighbor, who your neighbor was, to their fellow Israelites. Because that's easy. It's easy to love people who are just like you. And so what they did is they twisted the scriptures to loving your neighbor to almost make it seem like love only your neighbor. That's what God calls you to do is love only your neighbor. So when you read the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, um, the Pharisee comes to Jesus and he asks, who is my neighbor? And the scriptures tell us he was doing that to justify himself. He wanted to make what he was doing okay. And in what does Jesus do? He kind of blows it all open. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and he says to him, anyone who you walk past who is in need of your help, be it even an enemy, that is your neighbor. And so it challenges that thinking and how they distorted scriptures. The other thing that they had done is they had used God's hatred for evil to kind of allow them to have personal animosity against people. So there's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says, you must destroy them totally, make no treaty with them, and show no mercy. This has had to do with sin and God dealing with sin issues. But they took that as permission to actually hate certain enemies. So what did the Old Testament say? And what had the Bible up to that point been teaching? Well, it actually very clearly taught to love your neighbor. In Leviticus 19, Um, Verse 17 to 18, it says, Do not hate your brother in your heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And you can see that emphasis on loving your neighbor as yourself. And it's, it's very clear. And then doing good to your enemy. In Exodus 23, it says, If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. And in Proverbs it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. And so you can see how they twisted scriptures that were very clear to suit themselves, to allow themselves to have revenge. And, and that's in our kind of nature But you know, as believers, we shouldn't be living with messy relationships. We shouldn't be living with a trail of destruction behind us. We should be careful of just our name and our reputation when it comes to this. And if I think there's, this is quite a simple sermon, when I, when I started prepping, I was like, well, loving your enemies, what else can you say? Love your enemies. God commanded it. We can't twist it. We can't change it. Love your enemies. That's it. Um, but I think today, th- there's a fruit that needs to come out of what you hear, that if you have a broken relationship, God commands you as hard as it is to go and fix it. And that's the, that's the goal, and that's where we're heading. But I also know 
that as we speak about these things, there's so many different scenarios, there's so many different complicated relationships. I know for some of you, this will be something that kind of stirs up hurt and pain. And so we don't forget about that, and that's why there will be people available to pray with you and chat with you about it. Um, but we also can't be like the Israelites were and just try and work around those scriptures and give ourselves certain people groups that we don't need to love, certain people. And sometimes we can even make it a spiritual thing of, you know, that person sins in that way, so I don't want to speak to them, I don't want to love them. And we kind of feel like we're holier than now for doing it. That's not something that Jesus instructs. So we need to be aware of the mess that's in our own home. And then the next thing we need to do is we need to clean it up. And um, I did all my prep, and then I was reading through an Alpha um, course and that, that, that dealt with the Beatitudes, and Nicky Gumbel had five quite catchy um, phrases that he used. So I haven't kind of plagiarized his work, but I have um, stolen his phrases, because I want you to remember these in the week. I want you to be challenged, and I want you not to forget um, what God's Word says. So the first thing, if you're trying to kind of clean up the mess in your own life, is to speak graciously. And I think about speaking graciously as just showing God's grace as you speak to people, representing God through the words that come out your mouth. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And I find here that first step that we need to take in dealing with our enemies is just kind of drawing a line in the sand and saying it stops today. And I've had to do that in my own my life with certain people, and it was difficult. But I found that I just made that head decision before my heart caught up. And what I found, though, is it's almost there's something spiritual about just saying, so far, no further. It's going to stop here. I'm going to start showing God's grace in the situation. And someone needs to take the first step, and it should be you. Romans 12 verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And as believers, we need to be like healing balm on relationships. Not the person that kind of keeps those wounds open, that keeps being kind of toxic when it comes to others. But we need to just be like God's healing oil. We need to be speaking graciously to others. And this doesn't give room for emotional responses, for venting my feelings. This goes, what does God want me to say? Going slowly, going safely, going according to God's word, going with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the opposite to this is someone who stirs up chaos. If you're not speaking graciously, maybe you're someone who's got a reputation. And it surprised me, even just in dealing with, with Christians for a long time, how many people in their own families and circles of friends or at work are just known for stirring up chaos the whole time and being people that, that almost just keep those wounds open. That's not a luxury that we have. So speak graciously. The next thing is respond kindly. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And I just, I just think, like, sometimes as Christians, we have this almost like enemy light. It's kind of like Christian karma. And so karma is that whole thing of it's going to come back to bite you, and it's going to come back, and so I just leave karma to kind of, you know, come and punish you. And Christians have a version of it, and it's just like, I'm going to hand you over to God. God's going to deal with you. God's going to punish you. He's going to zap you. And you kind of think you've got creator of the universe on your side. That's not, that's not how it works in God's kingdom. 
We need to respond kindly. And Luke pointed out, he was here last Sunday morning, so sorry for the repeat, Luke, but I'm adding some of your words in. And Luke works in the prison. And in the prison, a lot of people have been left and handed over to the, you know, kind of to the prison and also to God, you know, and he's got a lot of people like that, but, but they found God. And God has treated them with kindness and tenderness and forgiveness and mercy. He's shown his kindness to them. And those are people that we think actually would actually deserve to be punished. Those ones where, you know, God's going to get you. But that's not how it works in God's kingdom. Psalm 34 verse 14 says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And that's what we need to step out doing every day just being kind to others, showing God's kindness. And I know this isn't easy when someone is treating you in the opposite way. But God still gives us that careful instruction. And it's also not a thing of weakness. I think that whole thing of, of kind of being a doormat isn't, isn't actually, when we're showing kindness to enemies, it's actually an act of strength. I know, I don't know, but, but when I've been in difficult situations, this is the time where I've needed God's strength and power the most because I can't do it in my own strength. I'm not strong enough. But when I need, when I show God's kindness, I actually feel stronger in Him. And it's when I'm closest to Him and I actually experience Him in a, in a fresh way. So the opposite to that could just be someone who just shows meanness, plots revenge, tries to get in and, and in a subtle way even. Sometimes as Christians we can do it. We can sugarcoat it and, and kind of pretend we're doing something nice, but kind of hoping the outcome will be a bit of punishment. There's no mind games here. There's nothing else but kindness that God calls us to. So speak graciously, respond kindly. The third thing is pray positively. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And for me, one of the most beautiful pictures is, is the story of Stephen. Well, it is firstly Jesus on the cross as he forgives those who are crucifying him. Um, but another one is Stephen who... I love it because he shows how a human can forgive um, with God's help. And if you know the story of him, he was stoned to death. And these are kind of the last moments of his life. And the, the, it starts in verse, well, I'm just going to read from verse 57. And this is the people who are wanting to stone him. At this, they covered their ears. And yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul, who would later become Paul. Um, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Imagine that being your dying prayer. Lord, do not hold this against them. Imagine the anger that these people had towards him as they covered their ears. They didn't want to listen to what he was saying and yelled and then kind of ran at him. And he chose to forgive. That was his prayer. And you know, so often in these complicated relationships I've referred to, it doesn't always kind of get sorted like this. You might feel as a response to this week that you need to go and chat to someone and you're hoping that they'll have this amazing response and they don't respond. And I've, got, I've currently got someone like this who, who I'm just trusting God, and all I can do is pray because they've got a hard heart towards me. And what happened last year is that I had a bit of a, there was someone that was close to me, um, they had promised to do something, didn't do it, and it was something that, if you understood the situation, you would understand why I was maybe feeling a bit like, upset with them. Um, but 
I was also at the time pregnant, so I was more emotional, and Jono can vouch for that, um, and a little bit more, you know, forceful, because I'm quite even-keeled when it comes to sorting issues out, usually, well, I'd like to think I am. Um, and so, but what happened is I, I totally responded emotionally to her, and I was, I was overly harsh with the way I confronted her straight away. I went with my feelings. I didn't do the showing kindness. I didn't hear from God and what he wanted me to say. I just responded how I felt, and I messed up. And straight away, like 20 minutes later, I just kind of had a bit of brewing time. I actually asked to speak to them, apologized for my response because I did know that I was in the wrong. And um, they accepted my apology, but I just didn't feel like the relationship was right and felt like I needed to carry on working at it. And so I phoned them, or I left a voice note, and I just said, you know, I'd love to take you out for coffee and chat a little bit more about this because, you know, I just feel it's the right thing to do. And they said, okay, I'll get back to you. And then I got hold of them again. And um, while I was trying to get hold of them, found out that they'd blocked me on WhatsApp, which just felt very strange because um, maybe you younger people do that. But at my age, we don't block people on WhatsApp. So it was just a very foreign experience for me. Um, and, and so I <laughs> picked up my husband's phone. And I was like, well. Um, and I, but I actually just at that point, said what I felt God would want me to say in that situation. And it was what I appreciated about her, how I loved her. And the thing that I haven't told you, and this just kind of makes me look worse, is that this person also had a history of bad relationships, and people had been quite harsh to her in life. And so I, just in my selfishness or in my wanting to vent, I didn't even consider where she was coming from. So this is confession time. Um, and, and so I wasn't in the right. And I should have considered where she was coming from. And I can understand her response. But the thing is that God is, is, kind of requires us to be walking at peace with each other. And so I've left the ball in her court, and I'm just trusting that there will be healing at some point. I'm trusting, but all I can do in this situation is pray. And it's very powerless when someone blocks you on WhatsApp and kind of blocks you from their life. Um, and, and all you can do is trust that God can take that heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. And He's done it with us. He's softened our hearts towards Him. And so He can do the same, and He's a God of miracles. And so we need to pray positively, speak graciously, respond kindly, pray positively, and then act divinely. And that means act like God would act in a situation. Verse 45 again, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on evil and, the, and on good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And there's an evenness and a beauty to how God treats us. If you think about a beautiful illustration is the rain, because as Cape Townians, we were praying for rain, and non-Christians started to mock that a bit, and God has answered our prayers, and we've had rain. And who gets to benefit from the rain? Everyone gets to benefit from the rain. Those who mocked, those who prayed, it has come on us all. And there's a beauty to the way God treats us, and that is acting divinely. It's acting not always the way we, want, we feel. And this is almost like a kind of a way that the world can know that we love, uh, love God. It's a way that we can actually preach to others when they see us acting divinely, acting like God would have us act in every situation. For me, my father was the picture of this. And, and um, we just, in our home, we had quite a few um, just, and I didn't know it growing up, so we would have family members coming in and out of our house, and we loved them, loved having them around, and enjoyed those relationships. And later on, I found in life, uh, out that um, my, my father had actually 
given a lot of people in his family money um, for various things. And so he moved here from Egypt, and he was sending money um, for one of his brothers to start a cafe. And when he got here, he had lost that investment. He had lost investments with his dad in Egypt and um, then with one of his brothers down here. And, and I just can't understand how. And it actually meant that he couldn't study at varsity. He wanted to actually study to become a doctor, and that's what he'd been saving for. But it meant that, that kind of other people had his money and had his future and his dreams. And all of a sudden, when I knew those stories, I thought, well, how could we have treated them so well? How could these people? I felt a bit of anger even, but it was because he had God's love, and he was acting divinely. And do you know what the amazing testimony is? Is that my father has so much peace in his life. He has so much happiness. There's so much stability, even just within the family, that some of the others didn't ever benefit from. And so there is a peace that comes into your life when you choose to act the way Christ acts in a situation. You actually find that the chaos doesn't follow you anymore because you're acting like God. But it takes sometimes taking that step back and not going with emotion, not going with the way I feel, but going with the way he would have me act. And in every situation, do you reflect your heavenly father? Are you reflecting how he would yeah, just treat people? And I, I love this thing, it's not even just our enemies, it's not even those that we would classify as those we have, we've had a fight with, but it's just those around who are different to us, who aren't the same. Are we loving them? Speak graciously, respond kindly, pray positively, act divinely, and the last one is live differently. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I don't know about you, but I kind of, I do enjoy living in my, within my comfort zone and in my safe bubble. But this takes it a little bit further, but past enemies to just those people around you. And for me, this is probably the most challenging point because I'm quite an introvert. And I, I kind of, if I'm out in public, I'm kind of just head down, processing the day, thinking kind of in my own thoughts. And I'm not looking out for the needs of others. I'm not looking to have meaningful connections. And there's a world out there that needs God. There are people that are broken and hurting. There's a mission field every day. And um, I've challenged myself just to start speaking to people more at the shops because that for me is a big step. And you know what happened is all of a sudden when I started doing it, I started seeing more needs around. And you start, your eyes become open to the brokenness that someone's having a terrible day, you know, the shop assistant, because someone's spoken badly to them and treated them like dirt. And it's not what they deserved. And all of a sudden you can step in and be Christ in that situation. That's living differently. And we need to live differently to the world. We need to get out of our bubble and our comfort zone. And that means loving people that are different to us because we always love the same. We love those who don't push too many buttons and challenge us. That's why it's such a good idea to go to the Justice Conference, um, to, to start loving people that are different, be it age, race, socioeconomic, whatever it is, God calls us to step out and not just love people that are like us. And this is probably the most challenging for all of us. But as a church, we should look completely different to the world. And you know, if we, if we deal with our enemies and if we deal with this message that God has given us, we'll see breakthrough in our lives. Maybe you're not seeing breakthrough in your life and your walk with God because there's human relationships that you're needing to sort out that are actually blocking you. The Bible speaks about it. It takes us so seriously. It talks about if you go to the altar and you have something against your brother, leave, leave what you've got at the altar. Like, don't sacrifice to God. Go and sort that relationship out first so that nothing is standing in the way. 
that just shows how serious God is about healthy relationships. And you will benefit if you make a decision, especially um, for the younger people here, to be the kind of person throughout life is going to go with just healthy relationships, the one that God has called you to, your best life. You will know joy. You will know peace. You won't have stress follow you. It changes everything. And so this is what God calls us to. It's an exciting message. As I said, it's simple, but it's hard to put it into practice. And so it's one of those that we need to remember. Speak graciously, respond kindly, pray positively, act divinely, live differently. And if I can ask the worship team up, I just thought that the song Build Your Kingdom Here is just a great way to end and celebrate, almost a declaration, because I don't want this to be heavy, because for some of you, the response to this is going to be a heavy response. But I'm just going to pray for, for God to, to kind of make our hearts brave, to give us the courage to do what He calls us to do, to be obedient to His Word, and for us to see breakthrough. So let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this message. We thank you that you do want us to live our best life, and it is to be found in you. We thank you that you showed us a different perspective. And Lord, I especially pray for those who are facing hurt in their lives. Lord, we know that there's a lot of brokenness in some people's lives, be it through just broken relationships, um, you know, just through, through failure even on, on our parts. Lord, just through things that people have done to us, there's just so much baggage and hurt that we can carry when it comes to the subject. But Lord, you're a good father, and we want to treat people the way you would have us treat them. Lord, please give us a game plan. Show us, because it looks differently for each person. Show us how you want us to speak to people, what you want us to say, the right time to do it, Lord. We just trust you when it comes to this. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's feeling particularly hurt in this, um, who's carrying pain, Lord, I just pray for healing. I pray that they'll experience a divine ministry of your Holy Spirit, that, that they'll just know how loved they are by a heavenly Father. We thank you for your love. Lord, we also pray a protection over this community, that there won't be enemies, that there won't be failed relationships, but that there'll be peace and unity just in our church community, that we'll be a, a kind of an image to the world of, of the way that we should live. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. And as we celebrate and declare, build your kingdom here, Lord, we want to be part of that. We don't want to be left behind. So make us brave. Help us to deal with those hard relationships. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us. Amen.